there's something about getting older, yeah, it is, that makes me feel kind of free. Yeah, I feel free. And I feel so blessed, blessed to look deep into my mirror and love the eyes that stare back at me. Calmly knowing, reflecting brightly, those love light energy spirits tightly wrapped round the eye that is me. The eye that is me. The eye that is me. And somehow it makes me feel kind of free. Welcome to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program of African Sisters Media Network. And uh, <laughs> that's uh, Mama C, or uh, also known as Iya Osu Tintunde Fasuye. How, how did I do, um, Iya? Iya Osu Tunde Fasuye. Yeah, a.k.a. Mama C. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, good, good to morning, hear your voice, sister. Good morning. Oh, good it's to a hear you beautiful too. morning. Yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I always enjoy free. being on your show, sister. Yes, I'm free. That's right. At 70 <laughs> years old, yeah, if mm-hmm. you ain't free by 70, I don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, something yes. to to work toward. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. It's but you know the whole thing around being free, it's staying free. How do you stay free? Hey, by being myself, by listening mm. to my ori, my consciousness, that inner me, and by embracing the orisha who guide and protect me and walking with my ancestors. That's how I stay free, in my spirit and in my actions. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> well, I I love your film, um, Naya Titi Medicine. Oh, Thank my goodness. Thank you. Yes. That, it is such a great story, so necessary and so beautiful. 
Um, but before yeah. we talk about that, let me let me let our audience know a little bit more about you. Um, okay. Ia Oshutunde um, is an internationally known visual artist, musician, performance artist, um, ATR priestess. What's the ATR stand for? African traditional religion. Okay. Priestess. So that encompasses a lot, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. filmmaker, poet, writer of more than three decades' experience. And she's visiting us presently because this is Black Panther History Month. Uh, the, is it the 55th anniversary? That's right. 55 mm-hmm. years since the founding of the Black Panther Party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you're from Kansas. That's very momentous. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 55 years. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, this past weekend, you um, you gave a talk about the ancestors, and you called the names of of um, of ancestors who made the ultimate sacrifice of their lives for yeah. the people. Yeah. In mm-hmm. Bobby yeah. Hutton yeah. Park. You know, mm-hmm. he was one of the first names that we called out. Yes. And, you know, I I just uh, came out with my new poetry book, Homage, and there's a poem about little Bobby Hutton in this mm-hmm. book. Yes. Uh, I'm going to have to get, get one to you, sister. Oh, I'm going to okay. get one to you. But for your listeners, they can, if they're not... Uh, uh, on my tour schedule where I will have some books, they can go to Amazon.com and type in Homage, H-O-M-A-G-E, by Charlotte O'Neill, and uh, and they can purchase it. It will be delivered to them. I'm so excited about this book. It looks so beautiful. It's, produ- it's published by a South African-based publisher, publishing house, uh, Africa, Perspectives, African perspectives. Mm. Yes, oh. yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. You have to share something from homage with us. Um, I sure will. So you, cool. So you're born in Kansas City, uh, Kansas, uh, in 1951. You've lived in Tanzania with your husband, Baba um, Pete O'Neill, founder and former mm-hmm. chairman of the Kansas City chapter of the Black Panther Party, and co-founder of the United African Alliance Community Center, or UAACC, and the founder of Leaders of Tomorrow Children's Home since 1972. In addition to your decades of community activism, Mama C is a mother of two children, Malcolm O'Neill and Ann Wood or Stormy O'Neill, and co-founder and director of UAACC located outside of Arusha, Tanzania. Your poetry and performing talents have been showcased on stage, television, and radio in many cities in Africa and America, including the annual UAACC Heal the Community Tour, which you are on right now. <laughs> yes, that's right. And we are so blessed that your tour comes through Oaktown, comes through California. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I, there's no way I could come to the States without coming to Oakland, one of my favorite cities on the planet. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you've been to Venezuela <clears throat> twice as a delegate to the first and second eco-socialist international gatherings hosted by celebrated Maroon communities in Veros and the state of uh, is Yara How do you pronounce? I don't know how to pronounce the state. Yara 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 
Um, you were selected for Poetry America Tour in 2010 that took you to Cape Town, Zimbabwe, Malawi, and Durban. Mama C is the first African woman to be chosen for a two-month writer's residency in the uh, Shanghai Writers Association program in 2015. And you you were a featured poet at the Hangzhou uh, China Mm -hmm. Poetry Festival, also in 2015. And you launched your first book of poetry, Warrior Woman of Peace, in 2008, and your second poetry book, Life Slices, in 2016. And your latest book, Homage, published by South African Publishing House, which you mentioned, African Perspectives, is available Mm -hmm. this month. Um, So this is the month of its publication. Um, And you're you're working on uh, your memoirs and recently completed the film that we spoke about at the top of the hour, Naya Titi Medicine, about a victim of obstetric fistula. And we'll talk about that more. And... uh, your love of all things art is documented in Mama C, Urban Woman, or Urban Warrior in the African Bush by Dr. Mm-hmm. Joanne Hirschfield. That's a really wonderful film. And I yeah. was at the uh, opening at the Dow Film Festival in uh, in Zanzibar. Um, that was really exciting to be with you. Yeah. And, um, so yeah. honored. <laughs> and, I guess, um, thanks. Yes, yes. And is that film available anywhere? Because I tried to, I looked it up, but I couldn't see where people could could purchase it or watch it. Actually, the director likes people to go through her, but somebody told me somebody put it on YouTube. So if really? they, uh, yeah, somebody, <laughs> I don't know if she knows it though. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well. So if they type it in, it might come up. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really, yeah I, I know usually you can... travel with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the classic documentary about your husband, Baba Pete, uh, Panther in Africa, by Aaron Matthews, um, is really awesome. And I think that might be available on, um, I don't know, POV YouTube. or something. Yeah. YouTube. Okay. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was um, directed by Aaron Matthews. And there's another film you're featured in called Legacy. Spirit of the Black mm-hmm. Panthers by uh, uh, Taishi or Taishi Thomas. Taishi. And uh-huh. Taishi Thomas. And then Niwakanti. Uh, Niwakanti. Uh, doc- is a documentary uh-huh. about East African hip hop pioneers by Michael uh, Wang- Wanguhu. Uh-huh. And he lives he lives here in Richmond. And he's yeah. He's a phenomenal and, director. Yes, and Taishi lives in L.A. now. Even though he's oh. from Kansas City, yeah, he's out here. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Nice, nice. Well, you are a star, star. Well. <laughs> and you play these wonderful <laughs> instruments, and you have four albums of original music and poetry produced mm-hmm. at Peace Power Productions and Mandugu Digital. So, yeah. Mama C, your mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. oh, wow, your accolades precede you. So. What do you want to talk about first? <laughs> hey, it's so much to talk about. And, you know, mm-hmm. w- one thing I always like to talk about is the blessings that I'm covered with, you know, and the fact that m- me and Brother Pete have been together for 52 years and are still, you know, doing community service that was the hallmark of the Black Panther Party. 
We're carrying it on at the United African Alliance Community Center, and we invite people to come there. You know, we were we were closed for a while at the height of a COVID in Tanzania, which isn't nearly as extensive as it is here in the States, but we have slowly opened back up, and there are many people who have started to come, and we've opened up some of our classes, especially focusing on the arts, you know. So, uh, Karibuni, y'all, that means you all are welcome. Just give me a, 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 a call, go to our website, that's uaacc.net, and we'll see if we can work out together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's really a beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful oasis that you have there. And then, you know, with, um, you know, um, our Baba uh, Geronimo Jijaga, you know, that um, uh, the, the well that's right there, that people yeah. get water and they don't have to walk for hours and hours and hours. I mean, you just such that's a blessing right. uh, to the community. And after all, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. After all, now this time that you still are still functioning. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, and it's sort of like you know, you talk you talk about repatriation, you talk about going home, and and you know, you you have a lot of homes. <laughs> it's true. It's very true, and I I feel at home wherever I walk on the planet. You know, and that's something mm-hmm. else that I wish more and more of our young people would embrace that. It's something that we learn as members of the Black Panther Party is that Mm -hmm. we belong to the planet and we're able to express solidarity with progressive people all over the world, you know. So, you know, I've continued to carry that and that's why I am so at home with all kind of people and that gives me confidence to deal with anybody. I learned that as a Black Panther. Yes. Uh-huh. Do you want to share one of your poems from Homage? Yeah, let me do that. I was sitting here looking. Oh, <laughs> you know, I believe, yes, I believe that this is um, the age of enlightenment, and it's the mothers on the planet who are lead, leading that, you know. So I'd like mm-hmm. to share Mother Earth Mantra. We call upon the powers of our Igungun. We call on the powers of the mothers of the earth and the sky and fire and water. We call upon Nana Baruku, Yemoja, and Pachamama. We call out the sweet waters of Oshun. Blow in the fire of change, Iyansa Oya. We're fired up to build a just world through borders. Let blessings flow, and we need all the power-filled forces that we can call up and call out for guidance in this revolution, in this era of transformation, in this age of enlightenment that is indeed a revolution ringing the planet. Yes. Mm, yes, I say, mm-hmm. I say. You know, yes. I'll pray to Mama, uh, Mama Apache Mama, you know, Mama Oshun, yes. Mama Yemanja, ah, mm-hmm. gosh, um, Mama Eshud, uh, yes. 
And the powers of our Igungun and those who don't know what Igungun is as a Yoruba word for ancestors, you know, mm-hmm. and that's something that I always share with people is is the fact that we must praise our ancestors, lift our ancestors up, you know, and they will continue to watch over us. That's why it was important for us to do that uh ritual of lifting up our fallen comrades, you know, mm-hmm. because if we remember our comrades, if we remember our family uh, members, that will really give us power, you know. So people need to do that, even if they set up simple altars, you know, like a glass of water and a picture of the ancestor that you want to commemorate and maybe some flowers and give them the food that they love. It doesn't have to be elaborate, even though mine is elaborate at home, but that's what I was called to do. It can be the most simple thing, but you must honor your ancestors and teach it to the children. Mm-hmm. Definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. 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 And speaking of, um, you know, the mothers, you know, tell us about this this beautiful story that you tell about um, uh, obstetric fistula. Um, you know, people might not know um, what that is. Um, yeah. That's when, um, you know, um, there's a hole, um, you know, mm-hmm. in um, between what, what, you tell us where is it between the uh, urethra yeah, it actually uh, you get a hole in your in the bladder area, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's, it's extensive and goes into the uh, intestinal tract. And this happened, mm-hmm. you know, on that film that's mm-hmm. about a victim of obstetric fistula. I uh, went to a hospital in Dar es Salaam like five mm-hmm. years ago, and I met mm-hmm. some of these women. Some of them had been ostracized from their community and living by themselves for 30 years, sister. And that's because when they are constantly leaking urine and even feces, you know, they have the smell. I mean, it's a constant thing. So people actually don't want to be around them. It's very, very sad, you know. Mm -hmm. And this comes about because so many of the women, when they were young girls, they were forced into into arranged marriages, and their bodies weren't ready to give birth. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they would have prolonged uh, uh, labor, and that led, that leads to them developing these holes. But the thing about it is that they can get a simple operation, and it's free in Tanzania that can repair Mm -hmm. them. And at this hospital, not only do they get the operation afterwards, after they are healed, they even uh, are taught entrepreneurial skills. So I, I wrote and directed that film because I want to sensitize communities all over the world. You know, this happens all over Africa, the Middle East, and in India, but, you know, People don't know about it in the West, and it's mostly because they can uh, be taken to a hospital. They can be rushed to a hospital so the baby can be born either by cesarean or whatever. 
But it touches on a lot of issues, but that's the main one. I haven't premiered it yet. I'm going to premiere it in Dar es Salaam at Nafasi Art Space in January. But I hope to show it here also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, It was filmed by uh primarily by Emma Masai, who I've been working with for several years and who also has been working with uh Wolfhawk Jaguar on some of his films. He's a brother who was a student of ours and he got very interested in film and he has taken it to another level. Mm-hmm. Even uh Oakland's own Damien McDuffie was there mm-hmm. uh, uh a few weeks ago and he talked both Emma and Emma students about augmented reality, which I had never heard of before. You know what that is, sister? Where, you know, you can have a mural or a painting or whatever, and you can make it look like it's talking and singing. It's something. (laughs) Oh, that sounds (laughs) great. No, I didn't know that. Augmented. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's the term again? Augmented what? Uh, Augmented reality. Oh, wow. That yes. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this particular film, um, I mean, I know about the um, obstetric uh, fistula. Um, when I was in East Africa, a little further north, but on my way to visit you all, I stopped uh-huh. off in Ethiopia, and, and they have a hospital there. Um, they didn't let me visit, but um, I had known about uh, this being a possibility when, when girls, children are married to Adults, like little girls, like yeah. 12, 13, 14, when, they, mm-hmm. when they're, you know, after they get preg- impregnated and they're trying to deliver nine months later, their bodies aren't able to, to uh, accommodate um, right. a, a, a child coming out of them. They just, their, their bodies aren't big enough. They're not developed enough. And so they yeah. care. And then sometimes um, in some communities where they still have the um, uh, the cutting, you know, the genital uh-huh. cutting, yeah. um, the women tear, not children necessarily, but women, you know, older women even, because they can't get, you know, because they're, they're sewn shut and they don't open. Yeah. And so it's just a mess. And, and you're it's, right. Yeah. Um, just like this child, you know, who's 14, going to school, enjoying everything. Her father dies. She's an orphan. Her mother's raising her. Um, uh, you know, they marry the girls off and and, and take them out of school. And, yeah. um And it was just like, I just, I just love that we're in her head, like, you know, she's talking to us. I just love that yeah. aspect of your film, you know, what she's thinking. She's not a silent character. We don't have to figure it out. <laughs> she That's you let right. us hear what's in her mind and Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, um I love mm-hmm. the way she was able to finally come back to the community and that Zaina Mobasa was the star uh, and she was okay. also the star of another film uh that mm-hmm. we that I wrote and directed called the Waregiaji, Those Who Have Returned. You know, and mm-hmm. that's online. Yeah. How do you spell that? Ware W A R E G E A J Ware G I G uh J E 
Yeah, I'm trying to picture it in my mind. Waray J-I-G. If they go to my, uh, I have like 50 million channels on YouTube because I keep forgetting the password, but it's on on Oshotuni Pasuya. It's on that channel. Yeah, so if they go there, they'll they'll see it. Okay, I'll I'll look at the link to it. Yes, please Uh do. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, what what does that mean, the, the, the title? It means, Waregiaji means those who have returned. So in okay. some cases, I refer to uh, Africans born in the diaspora as mm-hmm. Waregiaji, you know, oh, okay. because mm-hmm. uh, we have certainly returned. And I urge our communities to explore the world, you know, to ex- explore Africa, there there are other ways to, to live your life. There are, and more and more people are coming to that realization. You know, the world belongs to us. The planet belongs to us. You know, so don't be afraid to, to stop, to, to step outside of America. There's other ways to live. You know, that's the truth, and I love to to let young people know that some who have never even been out of their communities, you know, Mm -hmm. open yourself up to possibilities. Explore. It will strengthen you. And you can settle there in Africa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, you're... um... Your sojourn there um, is so wonderful that you document it with your art. Um, you yeah. know, it has been, you know, one moment of transformation into another moment of transformation. You know, like you're like the perpetual butterfly. Yes, it's <laughs> you know, true. You I'm going in and coming out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very yeah. true, and and I feel so empowered, sister. You know, and and being an artist makes me feel even additionally. Empowered, I'm able to express my my thoughts and and my wishes and my advice even through my art. That's a real blessing. Right. Yeah. Before yes. you, if you could, um, in in our closing moments, I got a couple of things. Um, so if you could talk about about this instrument, you know, this this um that that yeah, is the freedom. Yeah, that's freedom. You know, for this this child mother wife um you yeah. know she finds peace um you know yeah. in her music and um and then and then i was thinking i don't know if we're gonna have time but maybe next time we could talk about you know being a maroon because I, yes. I think you all are yes. maroon you and you and baba pete that's <laughs> right yeah and you've I got a maroon that. compound mm-hmm. that's right it really is and when we talk about you know maroons uh, escaping, and that's what I like to say: escape, not flee. Because it, when you escape, yes. and you have, and you have people all around the world helping you, that's a systematic plan that helps you escape. Mm-hmm. You know, and yes, we are maroons up in the foothills of Embassania, in the foothills of of Mount Meru. You know, when people come there, they feel that peace. They feel that freedom. And, you know, music is medicine. And that's why I emphasize that in the film, Yatiti Medicine, you can find your your peace, your empowerment through music. Yatiti actually originates in the Lua community in Kenya. 
I also play mm-hmm. Obacano that's in the Goosey community in Kenya, and I play Kamala Ngoni, which comes, uh, which originates in Mali, you know. And these were instruments that were taboo for women. So I feel very empowered that women have stepped out of those taboos and are now playing uh, these traditional instruments. That's another blessing. Yes, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, yeah, and and then the whole idea, you know, um, uh, you know the the present, you know, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't say it, but anyway, I'm um, just thinking about uh, how, uh, you know, like when you're in the bush, um, you know, uh-huh. there there no there's no TV, but people have right. radio, and yeah. and and you know, and how radio even you know today keeps people connected and is a way to share share messages and messaging and and have have you used radio like that yourself um in you know keeping the community abreast of what you all are doing there um, in your village yes i i have uh, because like you said that's accessible to everybody and you saw in the film you know mm-hmm. where she heard the possibilities of her healing through radio, and they used to have uh, commercials a lot on radio that talked about uh, how uh, uh, women who have this obstetric fistula could get uh, repaired. But then it kind of stopped. So I hope that this film will sensitize the government there and governments in in other areas across uh, Africa to start putting that on the radio so women will know they don't have to live a life life of isolation and pain. You know, mm-hmm. there's possibilities. Yes, right. I, I love radio. I, I love radio because uh, it reaches so many people. You know, television isn't extensively used as it is here in America and, and other Western cu- cultures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. so what you're doing, sister, is powerful, and and it reaches <laughs> so many people. My hats are off to you, Sister Wanda, because you've been doing this for years. Uh, thank you so much, Mama C. Um, so we are out of time. Um, our next guest is in the studio. Do you know um, uh, Destiny Muhammad, Sister Destiny Muhammad? Yes, yes, the, okay. the harpist. Yes, yeah. big ups and hats off to Sister Destiny Muhammad. She's very inspiring. We've we've jammed together before. Last time I was here, yeah, okay. I love her music. Nice. Well, yeah. Destiny is in the in the studio now, and she just heard you. Destiny, you want to say something to Mama C before she uh, takes off? Good gratitude day, Mama C. How are you? I'm doing great, sister, and I have had a beautiful time here in y'all city. My next stop is in San Diego and then uh, mm-hmm. Birmingham and Atlanta, okay. and then I go to the East Coast. I give thanks for the blessing of being able to connect with so many beautiful people like yourself. Oh, God mm-hmm. bless you. Nice. So and like yeah. Sister Wanda, too. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So glad I give to thanks. have you come visit us. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. All parts so of the people, see. shout out to all of y'all who are doing progressive work. 
Oh, thank you, Mama C. Safe travels. But before I, I before you take off, I wanted to mention that um, in Montgomery, if you can get over there from Birmingham, there is the uh, the Mothers of Gynecology um, statue that's up to honor those black women, those enslaved black women who are responsible for um, the research that created yes. some of the instruments that are being used presently um, in um, in obstetric and gynecology procedures. Um, and, okay. Uh, yeah, and and Sister um, Michelle, um, she uh, she sort of like um, is is the the uh, the motor and and the genius behind this uh, this honoring of of these sisters um, who you know um, they're not mentioned at all. So it's really yeah. really beautiful. I saw pictures of it. Um, actually, I saw some of the I saw the beginnings of of the monuments because they were um, they were um, almost finished here in San Francisco, and then they uh, ceremonially drove them back to Montgomery to complete them and to mount them. <laughs> wow! So, I'm gonna see if yeah, I can yeah. go there. Oh. oh yeah, and then you could you could bless them. I'm sure with some music yes. or whatever. That'd be so cool. Yeah, I would yeah. love that. Thank you for that information. I'll tell oh, no the problem. organizers I'll... there in Birmingham. Okay, sure. Okay. I'll send you. I'll send you a link to the information and introduce you to the um, to the curator and artist. Please do. I give thanks okay. for that. Okay. All right. Excellent. All right. You take care. Much love. Thank Susan. you so much. Okay. Y'all have a good day. You too. Peace and blessings. Thank you. Bye bye. Mm-hmm. Bye. Oh, good morning, Destiny. How are you? I'm doing very well, Sister Wanda. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just so excited uh, about your November residency, where you're going to be, like, having these wonderful talks, you know, with Greg Bridges from 12 to 1, and then you're going to be having a dress rehearsal from 12 to 1, you know, dress rehearsal for your Destiny Muhammad Trio. And then you're going to have the concert on Friday. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, from twelve to one, and uh, so that's next Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, November third, fourth, and fifth, and it's all free. It's gonna be on YouTube. It's gonna be on Facebook. It's gonna be like live. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Why don't you tell us about it, and then I'll, I'll we'll, we'll circle back and I'll read your bio. Very good. Thank you so much for having me on this morning. That my Digital residency would have been something that would have been in person, but due to COVID and the restrictions, the organization Chamber Music America, who has funded the digital residency, said that let's see how we can continue to support our artists with a continuing of a residency and just do it virtually, henceforth the digital residency. So when I submitted what my idea was, was to, one, have a talk with the with my musicians with Greg Bridges' wonderful KCSM and K, KPFA radio personality to interview us, if you will, and talk with us about what is it like to play with harp as the lead instrument as a woman and a black woman as the leader and to play original and reimagined and work straight ahead of other artists with harp as the lead instrument. And that'll be primarily the conversation and just digging in deep to find out more about who each of us are individually for that date. It'll be Chico Lopez on upright bass and 
and, excuse me, Leon Joyce Jr. on drums, a wonderful family of musicians. And that will be that day, the first day with the conversation. And folks are welcome to chime in with Q&A and hallelujah and so glad to see you here. And then the second day will will be a rehearsal where you get a chance to hear bloopers and us telling one another, get it right and have fun and such. And also ask, getting a chance to, to really be in the room virtually, if you will, and, and experience what it's like for us when we're working out ideas or even sharing ideas about how to even make the music more wonderful and fun. And then and that will also welcome Q&A. And then on the third day, we're going to actually have a, a mini concert, if you will, about 35, 45 minutes of just playing the music straight ahead, dress cute, and open it up for Q&A where folks can talk with us again more even about having the music and glad that the music is there. When will we be appearing somewhere live where they can come out and just mm-hmm. asking us questions about, you know, who our inspiration is, more, more of that and being able to do that virtually. And so it's, as you shared, it will be virtually 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific Coast Standard Time, and we'll stream it to Facebook and YouTube. Mm. Nice, nice. <laughs> it's going to be really awesome. Are you doing any original music? Yes, we're going to do probably two or three of my originals. Mm, mm-hmm. Oh, nice, nice. Will they be um, music we haven't heard before? Like, are there any surprises in store for us? There may be some some music that, that my my folks here in Oakland who haven't had a chance to hear it, I'm, I'm, my intent is to play a couple of the compositions that they may not have heard. And then one, I'm going to reimagine with trio that I had only done with harp and saxophone. I had a chance to do it with incredible composer saxophonist Richard Howell. And it's a tribute oh. to the Colt. It's a tribute to whom? The Coltrane, the John and Alice oh. Coltrane. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, that should be really nice. Yeah, yeah, super. So you are a recording, performing artist, band leader, composer, and producer. Your genre, uh, Celtic to Coltrane, is cool and eclectic with a feel of jazz and storytelling to round out the sonic experience. You have curated concerts for Grace Cathedral, Christmas Concert Series, SF Jazz, tribute to jazz harp legend Alice Coltrane, and San Francisco Symphony Soundbox Series. Featured, uh, You were featured guest for Grammy winner Kanye West's Sunday service, uh, and you've shared the stage with jazz masters, masters Marcus Shelby, Omar Salsa, Blue Note artist Ambrose Akin Musri and Azar Lawrence, to name a few. You have headlined the Hillsborough Hillsburg Jazz Festival, Sundays in the Redwoods concert, Seattle's Fest, uh, Sundiata, and Butcher Town Jazz Fest. Um, what what festivals do you want to like? Okay, I want to play this festival. I want to play that festival. Are there any festivals that you like? Okay, I got to do that one. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking about I was thinking about the Black Sea um, just in my brain, but it'd be so cool to see the Destiny Muhammad Trio at the Black Sea. That would be so cool. But anyway, <laughs> oh yes, all of that. 
Mm-hmm. Most definitely all of that. Monterey Jazz Festival, Montrose Jazz Festival, L.A. Jazz Festival. There are a couple of festivals on the East Coast. There's the Detroit mm-hmm. Detroit Jazz Festival. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there there oh. are several. There's Cumbria Jazz Festival in in Italy. There are mm-hmm. several that I am excited to be invited to play at. I want to play at Coomba Jazz here in the West Coast. I want to play at the uh, the Earshot Jazz Festival in the Seattle. All of that. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. I didn't know there were so many that you hadn't played yet. I'm like, whoa. Hmm. Okay. Oh, it's coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's coming. I am preparing myself for it and, and excited about it. I have wonderful players that that uh, I love the word conspires at its origins in its Latin origins it means to breathe together and when mm-hmm. I find that I'm up with a group of people and we're breathing together you can feel it in the music it has that that something that since they pause the French say that you just can't touch but you know that it's there mm-hmm. oh, wow yeah. breathe together that's beautiful mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it comes yeah. to the Fire has gotten such a bad rep, but it is origins. It means to breathe together. Yeah, con with breath. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you are the principal harpist for jazz master Eddie Gale's Inner Peace uh, Orchestra. Yeah, shade to Eddie Gale, miss him. Um, the Oakland Community Orchestra, and you perform with the awesome orchestra. Who is the awesome orchestra? Girl, the awesome orchestra, a bunch of. <laughs> if you saw Maverick, crazy nuts, but when you put their instruments in their hands, oh my God! And and you see them purple hair and and tatted out. Pardon me. Oh, I was, you gonna let me get to that? So my my wonderful husband is listening and he's excited. So one of the reasons is because I have just been placed on board as an awesome orchestra harp ambassador. So I send it out there to the harpist. Yeah, I'm so so excited about this. Awesome Orchestra is a group that started about eight years ago, and it was a bunch of friends, bunch of youngsters, millennials who they wanted to play uh, European classical music, but they wanted to expand the boundaries of what it looked like and what its possibilities are in an orchestral setting. And they were just hanging out and playing, and they had such a good time. They said, this is awesome. And from that, (laughs) they decided that they would create the awesome orchestra. And my first playing with them was maybe about six years ago. So they had only been around two years then. And they were at, they did America's Night Out at the Oakland Main Library on 14th Street. And literally, the library has this kind of a, I'm calling it a pit, if you will, and you, we were seeing a bunch of youngsters get just, and people, I don't even want to say youngsters, people were jumping off the bus, running off of their cars, coming on their scooters and skateboards to play this music. And what they had done is, a, they, and what I love about them is they do this mix of where they'll do some straight-ahead European classical music, which they call Dead White Guys cover tunes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Dead White Guy cover tunes. That's, that's, that's dead, cute. Dead White Guys cover tunes. 
But then they'll also turn around and they'll they'll do like they did a, a arrangement of Stevie Wonder's music. Mm-hmm. And and so for full orchestra and people come out to play this music. We were probably about two hundred, three hundred deep at the Oakland Main Museum. Excuse me, the Oakland Main Library in in okay. Oakland, and folks, folks that you had an audience of folks that were coming were excited because literally what they call them the is sessions, and and we run the music and and then we run it all the way through until we have it and our audience gets excited and we do about maybe three or four compositions or arrangements of things. I got featured about three three years ago. They had done an arrangement of a of a, a video game called Legend of Zelda with Harp as the and, and the lead. It was so fun because they come up unlike I, I came up with Looney Tunes. Where if if you ever watch Looney Tunes or Buzz Bunny, those musicians who played that music were state of the art. They just partnered great music with a with, with cartoons. Now we have contemporaries who are coming up with video games and anime, and that music is what runs through their brain, and they take that same music, which is a lot of time electronica, and they'll arrange it for full orchestra because they have a relationship with that music. So every year they do an end-of-the-year concert in December. This year they're they're going to be able to do it in a at Freight and Salvage and was in, in Berkeley. And mm-hmm. so it'll be a full on of a number of the compositions that have been played throughout the the year for sessions. And so wow. it'll be it will performing it will be in our, our dress concert blacks and, and playing this music. And I wanna say you can purchase tickets online at Awesome Orchestra, I believe it's awesome orchestra collective dot O R G or Freight and Salvage may have it on their their marquee and website as well. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just really enjoying having having this mesh of music. Just last last Saturday we played at the Oakland Museum which is the Oakland California Museum, which has just got this whole outdoor section for themselves, and we did this mix. I'm, I'm calling it a mix. It was a mix. They did an arrangement of Chaka Khan's Sweet Thing with Vivica Hawkins and two mm-hmm. other wonderful women as the vocalists singing, but they did a, an arrangement of Sweet Thing that also meshed into That's the Way of the World. Mm. Wow. And it was just wow. really fun. It was at that time it was probably maybe a hundred and ten musicians because they're still dealing with the whole CDC COVID situation and making sure that we're all masked and socially distanced apart as much as we possibly can. But it was outdoors as well, so that that made it even more fun. So we had a beautiful audience of folks that came out, sat on the lawn, and we worked out this music in session in real time with folks there. And and they bring in guest conductors who, and I also want to touch on conductors too since we just have one who's just joined the ancestors. But they bring in guest conductors, exactly, of folks who I, I didn't even know these conductors, but they, they'll have them come and conduct various pieces. And they also are being more sensitive and cognizant in the fact that, for the most part, most orchestras are made up of non-BIPOC, black, indigenous, 
people of color. They, they, they aren't. And so the objective is, is to recognize that there are many of us who have mastery and understanding of the European classical music. And I'm very clear in speaking of European classical music because jazz is African-American classical music. There is East Indian classical music. My friend Shirley Muramoto, who is a fantastic kotoist coming off of Japan, there is Japanese classical music that speaks to the history and the legacy of each one of these people. So I like to make sure that I'm, for myself, it's important for me to identify what those, to identify the culture and the people who have produced these music and not blanketing them because each one has a conversation that is rich in the culture and history of those individuals and that collective of communities. Michael Morgan, the maestro. I yeah. didn't get the chance to play under his baton. However, Michael Morgan came out to one of my, I believe it was a story time, and that Chris Will had invited him at, and he said, ooh, he said, ooh, that was a great show. He was <laughs> really excited. And as I, and Tarika, you know Tarika Lewis, the Tarika yeah. Lewis, we had an opportunity to open for the Oakland Symphony at Sundays in the Redwoods one year. So I've had that opportunity to open, but I missed that opportunity while he was physically in the body. But what I will tell you, I will pour libations for the maestro Michael Morgan, the maestro Calvin Simmons, and Mm -hmm. acknowledging great work that they've done in our community and acknowledging their rich black cultural beingness and legacy that they put on that stage and the stages globally. Mhm. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um hmm, I had a question and I it flew away so I had to come back. <laughs> so we're we're still working our way through your bio um and uh we only have 10 minutes. Um so um I want I want to give you an opportunity to talk about Eddie Gale cuz um Eddie Gale is another one of those those illustrious ancestors, his inner peace orchestra, and um, and the work that you've done, um, yeah. Because he passed, was that the year before last? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I was just like, he, what? He's no longer yeah. here. I mean, you yeah. know, like people are just like Michael. It's like, oh, yeah, and just like, um, you know, Pop Papa Zach. It's like, but Zach, well, Papa Zach, yeah. We and so that means that the the I don't, I'll use the word burden as I hear it is to the burden is upon us who walked with these giants while they were physically with us to make sure that their legacy does not get erased because we are not neg we are by being negligent by not speaking their names in the most highest form. Mm-hmm. Papa Zach and I had the opportunity. I, did, I, I I think I was on some shows where he was there with Diamana Cora, but didn't get a chance to, to play with him on a, on an ongoing. But he was definitely someone who we would speak and talk, and he even shared with me that years back he had written a score of music 
that included harp. And I want to say he did it for the Oakland Symphony. And now as, as he has ascended, I would, once the family has had a chance to deal with his ascension, I would like to speak with them about the possibility, is that score available? And could we take that music and actually do a tribute to him? Mm, that would be beautiful. To, re- yeah. to, to revisit those works. Don't let just let them sit and get mold and crunchy somewhere. That music still deserves the same life. If Papa Zach, just like a, a an Igor the Stravinsky, Papa Zach is equally the great composer, and his music needs to continue to be revisited and played just like a nutcracker every year. It mm-hmm. needs to be a part. You feel me on that, yeah. and that's that what we get a chance to. That's that's why uh, European classical musicians and composers are so revered because their music gets programmed in. It just gets programmed, mm-hmm. and we can do the same thing. <laughs> you yeah, know, we sure can play. definitely. You know, I think one of the challenges with sometimes with us, and I know we're getting a time here with us is as a black folks and people of color is that we our creativity starts to flow and and it's not that we're bored with what we just did we said okay we did that let's do something else mm-hmm. well my other folks will say shoot we're gonna keep running with this we're gonna reconfigure it and and, and make it and program <laughs> shoot mm-hmm. you know charge ticket price for it and 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 it becomes a way of a continuing to acknowledge that individual by playing their works and singing their songs and telling their stories. That's an ongoing libation. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Yeah, I like that ongoing libation. Yes, certainly, certainly. Well, in our in our closing minutes, um, I wanted to, um, and, and people can go, go to your website, um, Destiny Muhammad. Is it Destiny Muhammad? Muhammad, is that your website, dot... What? Net. DestinyMohammed.net. Okay, dot .net. Right, right. Yeah, and it's you've got some really nice music there people can listen to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about, um, about you know, sort of your calling, and particularly, you know, you and Alice Coltrane, um, and, and your story time that's, usually happens in November. Are you going to be doing it this November? What I have, based on what has happened with COVID, actually forcing myself and my entire artistic community globally is learning to do things virtually. And so last year what I did was my, my I have a younger sister who said, you're going to do 58 stories in 58 days. So this year I'll be 59. And mm-hmm. so what I've to do is to take story time and do it virtually where I would do a 20, 30-minute segment on Facebook. It's me and Harp vocals and telling some stories and, and, and closing out with an affirmation and doing, and doing those 20 to 30-minute segments every day for 59 days, which would take me into December. Hmm. And that is that's how we have been able to to continue story time because COVID had shut down every venue, some even closing completely. 
And so my, my, my house, if you will, the Malanga Castle Center for the Arts that has its own 300-seat theater, not being able to do story time in that space, literally take the camera, point it at myself, and send it out. Look, I'm going to be on Facebook these days. Come on through. We're going to do story time here. Ah, so when when are you starting? When is the the first day of the of the um, uh, of the sojourn start? It will start on Sunday, November the fourteenth, because that was the day that I made my arrival on the planet. <laughs> yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, and and so to whom do we owe the pleasure of of your your presence? We owe the pleasure of my presence to Marva Vianne Colette Butler Lewis O. That's my mom. Mm-hmm. My father, retired Naval Chief Petty Officer Charles Raymond Lewis. On that legacy is also my grandmother, Helen Ann Butler and James Butler, my great grandfather. Grandfather Butler and my great aunt, Aunt Beulah. These are the ones whose names that I can call in this breath that I know. I'm, I'm looking forward to actually doing a genealogy so I can trace even further back than a great great grandparent. Mm, nice, nice. Yeah, well, you you know, you got Tarika Lewis. <laughs> she was like, oh, man, she knows how to do that. I know. And she and she has been diligent since I came. And and one of the beautiful things also is, is that Tariq and I actually share a maiden name. My maiden name is Lewis. And so mm-hmm. we have often said that, that we are cousins. We just don't know who was the middle individual that, that actually <laughs> us together. And, and the same last name spelling. Since I met Teresa in 1996, 97, she has always been about finding, tracing us as far back as possible. She has always been doing that. We're talking, like I said, 1996, 97, where she says, I, I need to know who my people are, whose shoulders, she said, does she stand on? so she can acknowledge them properly. Again, just like our contemporaries, our European contemporaries who can talk about, yeah, my folks were a part of that that first ship of people who came through Ellis Island or even further back than that. They can, Mm -hmm. many of of my contemporaries can trace their families back 16th, 17th century. Yeah, right, right, yeah. Well, I want to congratulate you on your digital residency, and I know you are preparing right now a sound check for um, another another appearance, another performance. Um, you want to tell us about it? Yes, I've been invited by Ava Square to do a 20-minute segment for an organization called WISER. And this is the second invitation that I received from them to share music, and they also want to know a little bit about more about the Harvest from the Hood. So I'll be doing that today. The event goes from 11 to 12.30, and I'm placed somewhere in that segment there. I don't know if it's actually open to the public, but if it is, I will send you the link or and or paste it on 
Facebook and Instagram. Okay. All right. Excellent. Excellent. And um, so, um, got a minute. Um, anything you want to say uh, in closing that we didn't get a chance to touch on? I just think uh, your your work is so so healing and so necessary. Um, you know, Mama C. You know, her work. I think the artists are are so central to our our, our staying human. You know, staying. You know, continuing to be people with heart. And um, so really happy that you've got that instrument that, you know, sort of tugs at, you know, like sort of re- sort of enlivens, you know, our spirit. I would just share that uh, Sister Ashara and Degayo, I believe, I, I pray I'm pronouncing correctly, mm-hmm. yes. us as the first responders. Mm, and yes, yes. You feel that? And, yes, and so I do. Rooted in 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 that recognizing is is that one of the things that we have learned to do in this incredible pandemic time is to respond and and literally document the times through our artistry. And I know our time is here, but one of the things that I enjoy as we are stepping into the next evolution of who we are past pandemic is walking through the seats of Oakland and seeing this urban gallery. It has been one of the most beautiful things where folks just took to the streets and just said, we're going to paint, we're going to sing, we're going to play. Wolfhawk Jaguar said to the rest of the world, I love you and I'll see you soon. Just that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and eat so much more, and even thanking you for, Sister Wanda, for continuing to saying, well, you know, we may not be able to do terrestrial, but celestial, which is the radio, is what we're going to continue to do and speak and put our words and our names out there so they can continue to live in in an artistic way, in a rich way, and in a no-nonsense way, in an uncompromising way. We thank you. <laughs> Oh, you're you're quite welcome. You're quite welcome. Thank you as well. Um, so, give your website one more time um, so that people can stay in touch and follow you. Sure, destinymuhammad.net. D e s t i n y m u h a m m a d. dot net. Also, feel free to catch me on Instagram, Destiny Muhammad Music, Facebook, Harpers from the Hood, and on Twitter, Sound Sculptress. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, looking forward to um wow, the uh 20 to 30 music beginning um music beginning on on, you know, the day you came into this particular iteration of your of your life force, November 14th, <laughs> 59 days. Oh, that's going to be so cool. <laughs> oh man. It is really, really fun, and and I'm I'm trying to switch the time a little bit because I had folks tuning in from the East Coast. I would do it from nine to nine thirty, on on daily. But folks with you know on the East Coast it's midnight. <laughs> you know that's it. Oh, you, you mean PM? A- oh, I thought you meant oh, I thought you meant morning. Oh, <laughs> no, it was in the evening. So thinking that I might move the time up to about six. Six or seven mm-hmm. o'clock, so that way that my folks on the East Coast who now may have to actually migrate and physically go into a workspace, <laughs> right. they can tune in 
not be tired because they they I the support was rich and folks when I when I told them well my time is up no don't leave us <laughs> yeah don't yeah leave. how wonderful <laughs> yeah yeah well have a wonderful um uh session today with Wiser and thank you so much for popping in and uh greetings to to brother Chriswell <laughs> assalamualaikum Alaikum so uh big so excited. How are you, my sister? Oh, I'm doing so well. It's always great to, to be in your your company, you and your queen. It's always oh, really wonderful. It really is. We are really, really grateful. So I don't know if you have other guests, so I don't want to take up more of your time because, you know, I can talk about a million <laughs> of, of things. Well, I have a pre-recorded um, because, um, you know, like you said, you had to get to your, you know, your sound check, so I didn't want to, like, hold you up. But, um, but you did mention to me um, this women's, um, and I'm looking for it, I can't find it, uh, this the concert, festival, the Palm Spring Women's Jazz Festival, yeah. and they, the founder, her name is Jay, and I, I apologize, I don't remember her last name. She had reached out to me because they're going to be doing a tribute to Alice Coltrane, and I want to say she had reached out to me in in early mid September and asked mm-hmm. me to do a pre recorded about a ten fifteen minute pre recorded content and tribute to Alice. And so they were going to do this virtual portion of the festival. And I spoke with her on Saturday, and there seemed to be some challenges that were happening, and I'm not sure. So I'm not certain if even the virtual will actually happen in November or if they're moving it to December. So I recognize that you you had went to the website and there wasn't a mention of me, so I don't know Oh, how they're trying to reconfigure things, but the the objective was for them to do this tribute to Alice Coltrane. And this particular festival is focused in on women jazz artists. Mm-hmm. And the objective is, is, is to, is so as women jazz artists, even when they have it in the physical, only women can be on the stage performing. Mm-hmm. Only, right. only women. So those of us who have been playing and playing perhaps with, with with a men as our rhythm section or a part of our entourage, we either have to reconfigure ourselves or play solo. Oh, okay. Yeah. We yeah. Mm. We either have to reconfigure ourselves and invite women that we respect to play with us or play solo on our our selective instruments rather. Mm-hmm. Have have you start decided which way you want to do it? Because you play with women, so that should be no problem. Um. Right. And so I'm determined. <laughs> Uh, you know who who would be available because all all of my people are are in some level very busy. But if the if I were to go down to Palm Springs, there's a, a woman by the name of Nedra Williams who I may choose as the person that she would like to play with me for this women's jazz festival. And then I'm trying to think of who I know as a woman drummer in that area. If the if the budgets are are lovely then I would take someone from here. And I know a woman by the name of uh, uh, Cynthia Cueca, I believe is her last name, Sylvia Cueca. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know her. She's a great drummer, yeah. She's 
great drummer and, and seeing if she would be interested in playing with me. And then there's Anissa Strings who plays upright bass. Oh, yeah. And I'm trying to, yeah, she's great. You, I had her on my show a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, she's fabulous. So she's fabulous. So just that I, I, I'm blessed to know some wonderful women musicians and seeing if they would, would love to play with me in a Palm Springs setting for the festival. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you know Do you know Ruth um, Ruthie? Um, uh, she's, yes. also, she's also a drummer. She is so fierce. She played with me for a for a tribute to Alice Coltrane. She and I had oh. I had totally her, and I shouldn't because she and I were both in the mm-hmm. Oaktown Jazz Workshop as students. Yeah, yeah. yeah she, she came. Oh, really? You were a student in Oaktown Jazz? Yeah, because she came up, you know, as Man. a kid. Oaktown. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Khalil yeah. Shahid was it was and continues to be a great mentor, and he could hear what I was wanting to do, and he asked me to come to his workshop mm-hmm. when it was first getting started, and I, oh, I didn't wow. have. But the last four of years of his life, I said, mm-hmm. "I'm I'm ready now." I come, and I think he only thought I was going to come once, and I went every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Nice. And nice. every Wednesday. Yeah with him and that was I will tell you I couldn't have paid for a better education I'm so grateful that Oaktown is still you to to continue with with him as the spirit mentor of that organization mm-hmm. yeah 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 and and in his you know Oaktown's collaboration with you know Michael Morgan and the Oakland Symphony you know um, yeah because I a lot of those young people, and they're famous now because they're not young. I mean, they're young, but they're grown. Uh, like Ruth, you know, she has her own band, and like she yeah. she performs with Anissa Strings too. So it's like, well, yeah, 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 she yeah, yeah. Fierce. yeah. She is heck of fierce. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Well, I I certainly hope you know they don't have to reschedule because that that would be heck of awesome, you know. <laughs> Yeah, because you, you know, you channel our sister, uh, Alice Coltrane. Um, I think on your website you've got um, a piece that you re- you arranged, uh, rearranged, I think. Reimagined is uh, the word that we use. Re- oh, reimagined is what you wrote? Okay. <laughs> reimagined. I reimagined. Uh, one of her pieces in particularly that I reimagined was uh, Via Seven Bagar, which which originally was, done for piano, upright bass, and drums. This was, mm-hmm. and, and it harkened back to her days as she, before she met John Coltrane and they united. And so what I chose to do in my reimagining of that piece is reimagine it with sax and flute and how she how she might choose to hear it in this millennial and but we had Laura Klein who we want to keep up in, in prayer. She slipped down on stairs during this really rainy, windy day and, and hurt her wrist so she was in the having it surgery. But I had I had Laura Klein on piano, Richard Howell on flute, Rebecca Kleinman on on excuse me, Re- Rebecca Kleinman on flute, Richard Howell on saxophone, Leon Joyce Junior on drums and Chico Lopez on upright bass and reimagining what that might sound like if she was feeling like, you know what, let's take it out. Let's let's take this particular composition all the way out and reimagining it in that fashion. Mm, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, looking forward to that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually, I want to say it's on my, my recording that I have that is a tribute to Alice Coltrane. And I think you may, it may be available at either CD Baby or on iTunes. But if not, mm-hmm. please feel free to hit me up on destinymohammed.net and send me an email and we'll make it a point to to uh, make it available. Okay. Awesome. Will do. All righty. Well, I'm going to play a little bit of this um, uh pre-recorded interview and I'm going to let you all get uh, to your sound check and thank you again so much for this lovely conversation and looking forward to November 14th well actually looking forward to next week uh, November 3rd November 4th and November 5th 12 to 1 p.m. and I'm going to be in YouTube (laughs) yeah I like the YouTube yay (laughs) yeah and I'll make sure I sign it so you know I was there (laughs) (laughs) I really appreciate you. Thank you. Looking forward to seeing you and all of your guests in the virtual where we can actually mm-hmm. just come together and have a good time. Right, right. And next time, you know, you're doing an outdoor thing, if the weather permits. Definitely I want to be in that house, too. <laughs> oh, my God. Absolutely. I will keep, I'm doing my best to keep my website with uh, updated events, and so we'll mostly hit you up first just before it even hits the website. <laughs> Oh, wow, that would be lovely. (laughs) I know you have a newsletter, so I signed up for that. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Well, thank you so much. i got to get this this sound check. Thank you all Mm -hmm. so much. Continue to support Sister Wanda Picks. Catch her on all of her platforms, and definitely hit the website and just say hey. (laughs) All right, you take good care, Sister Destiny. (laughs) Have a good time today. Peace and blessings. So we are going to play a little bit of this interview with the director of, not director, excuse me, the playwright, uh, Andrew Saito, um, Rare Peach. You're not going to be able to hear a whole lot because we've got the director, uh, Desdemona Chang, and um, and the uh, founder and artistic director of uh, Alter Theater um, getting ready to join us um, in a little bit uh uh, yeah, um, let's see Jeanette Harrison, and then we're also going to be joined by the dramaturg uh, Yvonne E. Um, she's one. She's a co. They're they're co dramaturg, not dramaturg. So anyway, they're going to join us and talk about this wonderful, wonderful play. It's a radio play, which stars Crystal Lucas Perry, Michael Jean Sullivan, Risa Machina, and Kevis Hillox. Um, and it's opening, um, well, the press opening is October 17th, um, so that that already happened. <laughs> have been available uh, since Thursday, October 21st, um, but it continues through December 12th, and again, it's a radio play, so you listen to it. So it should be, it's really, really wonderful, got a chance to uh, to catch it. Uh, earlier this year, and that's what I wanted to share with you, um, a little bit of of that interview. So I'm going to play it now and stop talking. (laughs) And if you want to hear the whole thing, uh, it aired on April 17th this year. Good morning and welcome to Wanda's Ticks, a black arts and cultural program with the African Sisters Media Network. 
And we are so excited to be speaking to um, to Andrew Saito about his new play, uh, Brer Peach, which is opening at Alter Theater uh, next week. And on the air is uh, Michael uh, Gene Sullivan, one of our favorite, uh, really favorite guests. Both of them are. Um, they've been on multiple times. And, and we're going to be joined in a few minutes, I presume, by another member of the cast of this great play, which is like, oh, my goodness, what an exercise in collaborative work. Um, Andrew, wow, um, you know, all of these different key players involved in being able to bring this work to life, which you rewrote. Um you know, for an audio uh, presentation. I bet that was a lot of work. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Well, mm-hmm. thank you, Wanda. I will say that in a way I feel like I wrote it for the audio presentation because when the, uh, the radio opportunity came about last year, um, the play was in a much earlier stage. And so one of the great um, things has been, you know, the audio production gave me great incentive to, dare I say, it was already finished, but it was a pale version of what it currently is. And so the collaboration mm-hmm. of Michael and Reza, who will join us, and particularly I want to shout out um, Ivan Liberia, our Artistic Director of partner, Parsnipship, the producing mm-hmm. partner with yeah. Alter Theater. Ivan served as dramaturg along with... Um, um, uh, another often dramaturg in the early stages named SB. Um, I will get you SB's full name right now. Um, um, but 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 their dramaturgy of Ivan and SB was really really um, crucial. SB Proctor. They, they're both in New York, so this is also a both a bi-coastal nationwide because <laughs> we have an actor, Crystal Lucas Perry, in in Detroit, and I'm in Mexico. I'm in Mexico for months now. And You're in Mexico. Like oh wow. A, Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, but, but the collaborative aspect has been totally, totally, totally fundamental and central to the, to the play reaching its current form. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Risa. Um, Risa. How, uh, Risa. Risa. How do you pronounce your name? It's Ressa. Ressa. Okay. And how do you mm-hmm. pronounce your last name? Ressa. Machina. Machina. Yeah. And you are the kid. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Correct. With the, with the with the magic peach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with the magic peach. <laughs> yeah. wow, I can hardly wait to hear you all bring this work to life. Oh my goodness! Oh wow, um, Michael, you play so many different roles as uh, an incarnate spirit. Um, you know, you're having a lot more fun yeah. in, in in the new. Uh, way you can choose different bodies as opposed to the old body <laughs> that was tired of being a mailman. <laughs> yeah, it, it was interesting. I mean, there was one part we were when we went back um, last week and we were, you know, re-recording some lines, trying to get everything just right before it's going to actually get all put together. And mm-hmm. and I was being asked to go back. I was like, well, can we get this one line from you? And I was like, yeah, sure. Can I go back and do that one line? And then I was like, well, why don't we do? the lines going into it and the lines coming out of it. I was like, all right. And then I realized, actually, those were all my lines. I had the line recorded <laughs> as one character, you know, as like Br'er Cicada. And then I had to do the catfish line. Then I had to come back as somebody else. And I was like, oh, God. 
it's fun doing it, but you know, it's getting a chance to really you can stretch in a lot of ways doing radio in a way that that it's difficult to do or impossible to do mm-hmm. on stage. But it'll drive you a little crazy. Mm, right. Not that it was <laughs> a long so trip funny. for me, but. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I really want to hear catfish. Uh, catfish sounds pretty pretty phenomenal. <laughs> but then possum does too, playing dead all the time. <laughs> well, that, yeah, I, I had to play. I didn't get to play possum. You know, we had we, we had an uh, uh, actor in uh, New York. Uh, oh, what's his name? Kevis, who uh-huh. played who played possum. But I had to play. I played possum when he was uh, um, uh, possessed. By the dead spirit right. of Waylon. Right. So I had to keep mm-hmm. popping. It, it was like I said, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, Andrew did a great job of writing all of these very, very varied characters for us in this adventure. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. thank you, Michael. Coming from you, a fellow very, very accomplished playwright, that is high praise indeed. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe for our audience that doesn't know what we're talking about, maybe we should start with what is this play about Andrew and then and then um I'll read your bios <laughs> great um so this play is rare peach is an adaptation of like somebody the Japanese oh sorry that was me sorry yeah oh, okay um <laughs> it's an adaptation of the Japanese fable of peach boy uh or in Japanese momotaro and um, Raisa, feel free to jump in and fill in because uh, okay. you're probably more familiar. But I, this is uh, growing up, so I'm half Japanese, Japanese-American on my father's side, Yonsei. I'm Yonsei, which means fourth generation. So my, my um, Japanese half of the family came from, over to the California from Japan in the early, in between the 1890s and the early 1900s, right, just at the turn mm-hmm. of the century. And... Um, but I, w- I grew up uh, not with tons of Japanese culture, but with this one book of Japanese called Japanese Children's Favorite Stories. And the, I had like a dozen or 15 illustrated stories. But the one that was my perpetual favorite was Peach Boy. And it was staple of me growing up. And Raisa, can you brief, would you be open to briefly summarizing Momotaro, the legend? Yeah. Yeah, so um, Peach Boy or Momotaro is a very, very famous, Japanese fable, kind of like Little Red Riding Hood or something, like everyone grows up reading it or hearing it or seeing it in some way or form. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's about a story. Um, it starts with two elderly couple um, and they're, you know, they're, they don't have a child. Um, and one day the 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 husband goes to the mountains to, you know, harvest things. And then while the wife goes down to the river to wash some clothes, and then a giant peach just flows down on the river to her surprise. She grabs it. She takes it home with her husband, and they're both like, what is this? I guess we'll eat it. It's it's a big peach. Um, and when they slice it open, a baby boy basically comes out or jumps out from the peach pit and um, they decide to raise uh, the boy as their own. Uh, The boy quickly grows up and then one day decides that he wants to go, um, what's the correct word? 
go go fight some oni. And onis are Japanese um, giants, I guess. And mm-hmm. they're usually like the you know the bad evil beasts. Um, but on his way to oh yeah, and on his way um, on the journey, he recruits a dog, uh, a, a bird, and a monkey, and they all go to this <laughs> one island that has these uh the giants and then they fight them and then they win and the giants give them a lot of jewelry and money um um because they're defeated and then and then momotaro the peach boy gets to bring all the fortune back to his parents and that's how the story ends (laughs) yeah yeah but you really updated um andrew with a version of <clears throat> of of shopping online. <laughs> yes. Only only well, only but, it's um, only it's a program, and I've heard it. They call it. I know I've heard friends say, "Alexa, do this. Alexa, do that." I don't know what that means. I mean, because I don't have Alexa. But wow, um, technology it, it really uh, is personified in the work, and and I'm just just wondering. As as audience, whoa! Doesn't Vonda see what's going on? And Vonda is uh, <laughs> is, is uh, Waylon's uh, wife, um, Michael's wife, and um, yeah, yeah, that's really crazy. Maybe well, we, you could talk a little bit about that. Let, yes, I will address the technology, but let me take a little detour to go into the. Um, a very significant update of this play, which is, so the play takes place in Gwinnett County, Georgia, which is maybe 30 or 40 minutes outside of Atlanta. And I have been going to Georgia to visit family of mine for, since I was in sixth grade, if not earlier, I think I was like 11 or 12, my first time went to Georgia. Mm -hmm. And so my... So I talked about my dad's side of the family from Japan. My mom's side of the family traces its roots to Ireland and Austria. Came to the U.S. around a similar time, late 1800s, early 1900s. My mom was the oldest of seven, seven white American siblings. Both she and pretty much all of her six siblings married people of color. Um, you know, some of her siblings married, have, have black spouses. Some of her siblings have have. Latino spouses, and so I was very. I became very close with um, years ago with a um, with my black uncle who's from Southern Georgia, who now lives in this in Gwinnett County. And so I've it's been like a second home for a long time. And and so there I, I would go and visit many times. And there I was, this half Japanese kid from California, living with my black uncle and. My white, my white aunt, who is one of my mom's younger sisters. And so um, Georgia has, in addition, you know, I'm from California, Georgia has been a very sort of defining place during my, really my adolescence, right, my late childhood and adolescence. And um, I've lived there a couple of times. And so, um, and so it was in San Francisco years, like 2008, summer of 2008, right before I went to um, for grad school and playwriting at the University of Iowa, I was doing a Bikram yoga class near Haight-Ashbury, and um, and I had this. It was a hot yoga. They heat the, they heat the room really hot, and we could do yoga. And I uh, 
had this sudden vision during Savasana or corpse pose in the hot, hot kind of sticky room, sweaty room, of writing a play that was that set the peach boy, Momotaro, peach boy, the Japanese hotel, of the boy born from the peach in Georgia, the peach state. And, oh, um, nice. and so that's why, because it has this peach connection, and also I have a lot yes. of history in Georgia, and I have this beloved black uncle, and then all of his sisters, and I've been down to Tipton, Georgia, and the southern Georgia many times, basically often being um, pretty, or always being the only Asian person there, but often, you know, at the times when my aunt didn't come, being the only non-black person present, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and, and those being extraordinarily special moments, and, you know, in like in my 20s in particular, going down there for like Thanksgiving or my uncle's mother's, you know, birthdays, and she's since passed away, but, um, you know, and so the play is the, the vision was that it was going to be a, a fusion of, of Japanese and Southern black cultures and folklores. And also, um, um, you know, also highlighting my love for Georgia and this kind of fell out of the, the vision, but, but Georgia and Atlanta is a very multicultural international city. And so I also wanted to highlight Georgia's diversity Again, that kind of fell by the wayside. But then the Amazon thing entered because was, I was spent a couple months in Georgia last this past fall. And one thing is, I drove I, a couple of times. I drove by what once was this big expanse of forest, and um, there was oh. a lot of clear cutting going on to build an Amazon fulfillment center. So that's how the Amazon mm. aspect and Alexa and the technology oh. entered the play. Oh, wow. And and it's so apropos that the play will be opening right now because of the the union, um, unionizing of, of the Amazon employees because of how horrifically they're being treated by the, um, <clears throat> the administ- well, the, uh, yeah, the company uh, administrators around, around breaks and, and even, you know, payment, particularly when people get sick. Uh, so it's so it's like perfect timing that this will be happening, mm. and I, I hope they are able to to be able to formalize that union because it'll be the first union in the company, uh, you know, in Alabama, not, excuse me, not not Georgia, but it's still in the South, not far. <laughs> I mean, Alabama's not far from Georgia, so so it's just really you know sort of lifts that particular um, activity um, or action, you know, sort of in. I guess what do you call it? Reinforces it, which is in a good way. Mm. Thank yeah. you, thank you. Oh wow! <laughs> well, that particular interview um, is with Andrew uh, Saito, and uh, Michael Dean Sullivan is going to be coming on a little later. And um, well, he's there. I don't know if you heard from him. And then uh, Risa Machina was also there, and she talked to us about the story. Uh, and this was um, this was uh, this interview happened back in April. Um, this is uh, <laughs> what is called um, a Rolling World premiere tour, and so we're really excited to have uh, Jeanette Harrison and um, and the director uh, Desdemona Chang. If I'm pronouncing it correctly, Desdemona, I hope I am. Yeah, hi. I'm not sure. <laughs> 
Hi, and then we've got Yvonne E. So we don't mess up her last name. She doesn't even give it to us. She says E. Do that. <laughs> yes, no worries. It's Yvonne. Ivan, oh, I messed up your first name. Darn it. No worries. Um, I, I might have had more, more luck with the last name. <laughs> uh, thank you all so much for joining us um, to talk about Rare Pete. So it opened, um, I guess, uh, maybe a week or so ago now. And how are things going with the uh, episodic, uh, you know, sharing of this fabulous story? It's going great. I'm I'm so excited. Thanks for having us on, Wanda. It's just so great to be back and so exciting to hear Andrew and Michael and Ressa talking about the, the play right when we had finished recording it. So now we've been through the editing <laughs> process and the play has gone out into the world. It toured to, uh, to Dallas um, as Ooh. part of the Bishop Arts Theater Center. Um, and now it's back. It's back here in its home community of um, the Bay Area before it finally lands forever, um, forever being a relative term, um, but before <laughs> it finally lands on the Parsnip Ship podcast platforms in New York. Um, mm-hmm. So we're we're excited. It's, it seems to be going well. We made tickets available sliding scale. They're available at altertheater.org slash peach. Um, and I'm, I'm really shocked because our first weekend, of course, you know, when you first release something, it's always the people who are most excited about you and like, oh my gosh, we haven't seen you in a year and a half. It's been a pandemic. Um, but like we made tickets available sliding scale and so far everybody is buying at the top level ticket. So, um, but, but. So I'm grateful for that and also hoping that, uh, everybody in the community will, will give the, give the play a listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I really like. There's a coloring book. Like, oh man, it's so cute. Oh yeah, I'm gonna be printing out copies for myself too, so I can color it. Oh, well. it's so much fun. I have mm-hmm. my niece uh, listened to the the podcast while coloring, and I have her versions up on my wall, taped up. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. So. um <laughs> We're listening to Jeanette, and she is co-founder of Alter Theater, where she architect, if that's how I pronounce it, the groundbreaking Alter Lab Playwright Residency Program. She has shepherded more than 20 new plays to world premiere productions. A director, actor, and writer, she directed the world premiere of Circular by Laura Shamus and the TBA Awards uh, recommended production of the Amen Corner by James Baldwin. That was really awesome. Alter Theater's world premieres of Alter Lab Commission, Cow Pie Bingo, another one I had a chance to see, by uh, Larissa Fast Horse, and Circular by Laura Shamas. And with Ann uh, Bivner co-directed the world premiere of Alter Lab Commission, Landless, by Larissa Fast Horse, and The River Bride by Maricela Trevino Orta. Um, with Alter Lab, she appeared on stage in Fool for Love, directed by, I don't know, are you all, do you all hear um, the uh, the noise in the background, or is it being canceled? Do you, do you hear I'm any noise really in the background? Oh, good. No, just I don't know. Oh, that's awesome, yeah, because uh, the hedges are being trimmed. <laughs> I'm glad you're not hearing that. Um 
Let's see. Uh, with Alter, La- Alter Theater, uh, she appeared on stage in Full for Love, directed by the original old man, Will uh, Marchetti. Is that how you pronounce it? Marchetti. Marchetti. Uh, after the fall, owners' um, intimate apparel references to Salvador Dali make me hot. And in the Bay Area, premieres of Sex Parasite. What an interesting name. Uh, Two Sisters and a Piano. (laughs) And in the world premieres of Thirst and a Man, His Wife, A Man, His Wife, and His Hat. Uh, One of two finalists for the USA Penn Literary Award in Drama for Best New Play Written West of the Mississippi. She has worked in casting, theater, education and worked on stage, on camera, and off camera in both the nonprofit and commercial entertainment industry. She's worked with Cutting Ball and Jesus Moonwalks uh, the Mississippi by Marcus Gardley, winner of the Best Production and Best Ensemble from the Bay Area Theater Critics Circle, and a whole lot of other things. Um, she received, let's see, um, so how did you come into theater? In the first place, I'm looking for that information, but I'm not seeing it. Um, yeah. So, Jeanette, how did you how did you start doing what you do, and why did you co-found this theater? <laughs> um, I guess, in a nutshell, I uh, I was uh, looking for a hobby so that journalism didn't take over my life in college, and I we had a really active college theater department, so I stumbled into that, and then I forgot to leave. <laughs> Oh my! Which which college? Uh, I went to the University of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, we had a really active student theater department. Um, even though there was no official theater degree, because that would be too practical for the University of Chicago, but uh, mm-hmm. we were producing like thirty-two shows a year in our college theater. So we all got a lot of um, hands-on and practical experience, and that's how I learned. I love that. So, um, yeah, and, and then, you know, who would have thought all these years later that journalism, that, that being an actor might actually be a more stable career than being a, a journalist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you from Chicago? No, I'm originally from New York. I just kind of kept gradually making my way west until I landed in California and couldn't go any farther. Oh, how'd you get here? Stagecoach? How'd you get here? <laughs> Uh, Well, at some point, a friend of mine who was living in his parents' uh, attic after college um, and I and a friend of ours also from college who was from San Francisco all met up for a vacation somewhere. And, uh, you know, I was having my my crisis of did I really want to be poor, broken, starving for the rest of my life working in theater in Chicago? And... um, I, I don't know quite how it happened, but somehow a month and a half later, uh, two of us were driving in a very teeny tiny car across the country and eventually landed in uh, landed in San Francisco, or actually landed in Mendocino County, believe it or not, um, where my friend from San Francisco's parents owned a cabin with no electricity in the middle of the woods, and um, it was it was an adventure. And then eventually I I missed theater, so I did move down to the San Francisco Bay Area and kind of been here ever since. Nice, nice. Yeah. This production, um, Bear Peach, 
it's, it's really, you know, stellar in that you have so many women doing the work. I mean, like, you know, like the dramaturgy, the direction, um, you know, having it, you know, having your great, you have some great collaborations. Um, um, the one, you know, with, um, is it Ivan? Is that is that how you pronounce it? Yep, Ivan. Oh, Ivan. Yeah, I mean, I want you to, like, how did you meet these wonderful, wonderful people? Um, you know, Desdemona, Ivan, I mean, did they come to you or did you come to them? <laughs> so, I mean, oh, I don't know, I, I, can I, re- I can read your bio, but you could also just, you know, maybe you could introduce them, Jeanette, because you know them, know them. Um, and, and then you all could just talk about this wonderful collaboration. I mean, you all could be a play, just the organ, you know, just the administration <laughs> organizers, like, really? Like, Desdemona, you're, like, so heck of famous. You're just, like, awesome, awesome. Like, what? <laughs> Desdemona, oh, gosh, oh my, my God. <laughs> like, really? She's a director? Oh, my goodness. And then, you know, Ivan, you know, you do the dramaturgy and, and just reading about the Parsnip Ship, you know, the radio play series and platform, like, whoa. Like, wow. And then there's some other folks. Um, I need to look at the press release um, to really, you know, sort of parse it out. But, yeah, Jeanette, do you want to introduce, you know, um, our illustrious um, other folks, you know, on the air with us, or do you want me to read their bios? Do you want to, like, do a personal thing? I, sure, I can do a personal thing. Um, it'll be a little gushy because I just oh, have good, so gushy, much respect and admiration for these two women. <laughs> um Mm-hmm. I I was I first um, met Ivan because we were in a TC a theater communications group virtual conference together on Zoom, and people were spending a lot of like you know sunshine and unicorn and 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 roses, and Ivan just broke through all that noise and was just so real and concise and just named what was up, um, and I was like, oh man, I have got to be in a room with her um and you know and then I looked her up and I was like oh my gosh this woman is just she's got amazing taste she's been working in theater and doing what it is that suddenly the entire industry is trying to shift to do and Yvonne was doing it five years before the pandemic started she's got just an amazing an amazing ear um, incredible taste when it comes to identifying artists. And, and as I dug into um, her body of work, I discovered that, you know, we were supporting some of the same artists like Diana Burbano. Um, and so I, I just, I feel so blessed to have had this opportunity to work with Yvonne in the parsnip ship. And I learned so much. And this project is just head and shoulders above where it would have been if Alter Theater had tried to do this on our own. So I am just so incredibly grateful. And then Yvonne, you want to tell them about your, your, what, what's up with you? And cause Yvonne, Yvonne's career is just like, if you don't know Yvonne's name in three years, <laughs> remember this podcast because you will be able to say, Oh yeah. It's like knowing mm-hmm. David Diggs now that he's a huge star because of Hamilton. That's Yvonne right now. Oh, God. <laughs> Thank you, Jeanette, I, for those amazing words. I am very, very much turning red, if I could. Um, um, uh, I Yeah, I am, um, yes, definitely a dramaturg. I'm the artistic director of Parsnip, the Parsnip Ship, and I'm right now the director of artistic programs at Signature Theater, an off-Broadway theater company here in New York City, 
Um, and so a lot of, you know, my work is about storytelling and really just um, wanting to uplift the the voices that have been, you know, systemically, and I, I just really want to, you know, the emphasis on that word systemically have been marginalized in our, our theater community and in American theater and how audiences perceive storytelling and who is telling telling stories and why we are telling stories. And so a lot of my work is centered on how do we uplift those folks and also ensure that the stories that are written from people who are, um, quote, unquote, outside of the, the margins of, you know, commercial viability or success in, in um, white American theater, that the stories that they want to do or showcase, direct, write, um, produce, that it isn't confining them into a box. You know, just because you're black, you don't have to write a story about, you know, blackness. Um, because you are Asian, you don't have to write a story about being Asian. It's like, what are the stories you want to tell? And, of course, everyone's um, background and experiences and perspectives really lend to how a story lands and feels. Um, I love audio for the, for the simple fact that it is one of the most accessible forms of theater, um, it's not new. Theater before it was stage was oral. You know, we used to tell stories to each other. Um, and that's usually when we had to listen and lean in close because we didn't have spectacle to distract us or enhance what we were really listening and feeling um, via, you know, the work of, of oral and audio um, theater. And so I'm really um Pandemic is unfortunate, but I think it did shine this uh, spotlight on why audio theater is important because before the, the pandemic, I was told that it wasn't real theater by many theater companies, by many funders um, as well. And then, you know, a pandemic happened and it was like, oh, it's this, there's this thing that we used to do. It's like, right, in the 40s, we used to listen to radio plays. Let's get back into that, that communal togetherness which is what we needed um, during the time where we had to be so isolated and far apart from each other. So I am really, I've been so thrilled with Rare Peach um, and the fact that I work with artists that are clear across our country um, and still be able to produce and, and put together um, such a beautiful story that, that Andrew wrote. Nice, nice. Well, welcome, welcome. So, Jeanette, do you want to talk about uh, or introduce our wonderful director, uh, Desdemona Chang? Um, sure. Des will kill me because I always tell this story <laughs> that she wishes I would forget. But um, Des, uh, Des, <laughs> I've known Des. Um, Desdemona Chang is an award-winning director with an MFA from the University of Washington, and she has been working as a theater artist in the Bay Area since Ultra Theater's very first show when she was an actor before she um, made the shift to being a director like so many people did, uh, like so many people do in their career. Um, and Des is just an incredible storyteller. She's always, as a director, really had, um, or as a theater artist, really had in mind um, how how do we tell this story to the best of our ability? And she's just really magical at marshalling everybody to um, to their full potential to really fully realize a story. And I I 
feel like it's such a blessing that despite the fact that Des has this amazing national career now, um, she still came back to work with Alter Theater on this project. It's a real honor. Oh, Jeanette. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like we've known each other forever. I think we're just babies growing up in the Bay Area, you know, doing scrappy theater here and there. But I, I, I'm so thrilled um, to, to be part of this project. You know, I feel like Ultra Theater is doing some of the most groundbreaking stuff. I mean, Jeanette is a real trailblazer in the world of EDI work in the theater, making spaces for different stories, engaging communities, and I, I, I'm, I'm in awe of, of how far the theaters come. Um, and I feel like, you know, during the pandemic, for a company to make the hard pivot, um, you know, I, I so, so many of us, you know, when, when the live performances went away, ended up turning to radio. And I think in some ways, of course, Ivan was always ahead of the curve. Um, and I think it speaks a lot to, to Alter that they not only, um, you know, pivoted, but also stayed true to their artistic community, right? I think Andrew is someone that I have um, admired for a long time. And um, to be working on this piece uh, in this new format is very, very exciting. And also, I'm, just, I'm an avid podcast listener, and I love radio. And so there's something about this medium that is incredibly intimate, right? It is, it is literally people in my ear, and it's stories in my ear. And there's a connection I get um, when I listen to radio theater or podcasts that is not quite the same when I'm sitting in a room um, watching it from, you know, 20 feet. So this is, su- this is super exciting, and, I, and I was, I'm so proud and so honored to be a part of this project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I was wondering if, if, um, if you, uh, Desimona, and um, Ivan could, could talk about, you know, the director, dramaturge, dance um, yeah, and and how you do that with this? How you do that in general, and how did you, how did you do that with this particular cast? Because I I think people were in different places in the world and in the country. Like you all weren't in one particular one space, if I if I remember correctly. <clears throat> so that might have been you know, you probably uh, sort of brought in some real creative processes to to make the um, the whole. Um, to bring together like that ensemble feel? Yeah, I feel, um, you know, for me as a director, uh, I love working with dramaturgs because they think very dramaturgically because they think a lot about structure and story. Um, And I feel like a dramaturg is just a really good director who doesn't stage the thing. That's how I think about dramaturgs. They're actually just directors incognito who just haven't come out as directors yet. Um, so I think uh, working with a, a, a dramaturg like Ivan, who's also so smart and really structurally minded and has all the right questions, um, felt very, very natural and easy for me. Um, logistically, I think because we're all so busy, it became a game of how do we squeeze in all the Zoom meetings to talk to Andrew about the play. Um, and I feel like, you know, it's, it's, I feel like a good dramaturg and a good director are like good playwright therapist and or good play therapist you know so I felt working on this I don't know Ivan how, how about you yeah I think that's so funny you say that um does about dramaturg being directors I have no patience for the rehearsal room as a director so that actually might be that might be right like I I just want to give my notes and go and come back and see what's different what feels right what doesn't feel right um 
And so, yeah, I think a lot of, you know, beginning before even Dev came on, a lot of the work was with Andrew, he and I, um, having many conversations about um, the script as when I first got it um, and where I felt that it could go and where he felt it could go and the stories he wanted to tell. Of course, the story is very personal to him and he's drawing a lot from his own experiences, people in his life and in his world. And he really was very, you know, very conscious to honor that and, and protect that. Um, and sometimes that does, uh, you know, come in in conflict with where the story naturally wants to progress to, especially then when you add in actors. Because we did have a, um, a like a 29-hour workshop with, with these um, actors to before we got into recording just to, like, flesh out um, certain – you know, scenes and iterations, did things feel right? Like, how did things land? Um, and then before that, Andrew and I had a week-long intensive about the script where every, basically every other day he was sending me a new draft that I would read. I'd give him notes, and then we would just, you know, try and have 30-minute conversations every other day about what was feeling right and what wasn't feeling right in landing. And, of course, you have to consider the you know, we're considering that there's an audio aspect to it. So a lot of the times as a dramaturg, when I read, when I dramaturg for audio, I have to read as if I'm listening, which is a skill that, you know, is, is hard if you're used to just like the written work. But I often have to, you know, just imagine like if I were listening to this on a train subway, which is usually when I listen to podcasts and audio plays, like, is this something that is engaging? Is it moving the story forward? Um, because I also, we also have to be cognizant that people have very short um, attention spans these days. Um, if you look at stories on like Instagram and TikTok and all these things, like our, um, our, yeah, our attention span has just shortened considerably. So there's a lot of also psychology that goes into the dramaturgy for radio as well. And so that was really fun and interesting too. Um, explore with Andrew, with the actors, and of course with Des um, as the person who's putting it together and shaping it. Yeah, it's so interesting how much once you actually think about shifting something to the audio format, and you can't rely on the visual shortcuts, right? And I and I always use like Shakespeare as my example. Um, I feel like a lot of you know directors when they approach Shakespeare, they approach it really visually, when in fact it's a very language based. Um, Medium. My Shakespeare, I guess, is, could be a medium, but uh, the work is so about the words. Um, and in some ways, there are moments that Andrew had written, I remember, that were things that were action-based, and we all had to go back and say, okay, so how do you do this when you can't see anything? Do we hear it? Do we say it? Do we, and, you know, things we take for granted, like what a person looks like or what uh, an animal looks like. We're talking about, you know, a story with possums and cicadas and catfishes, and so... Do we get a sense of scale? Do we get a sense of, you know, speed? And how do we do that? Um, if not through the dialogue and the language, how to do it through the, the sound design? Yeah, it was a real, real delicious challenge. <laughs> mm, yeah. So um, did you all, um, I mean, who was responsible for hiring the cast? Were you all sitting there together? Um, uh, you know, um, Ivan and and Des and Jeanette and 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 Andrew. I don't know. Like, how did you do that to sort of find the right 
actor for the part? Well, you know, I was thinking about what somebody was saying about building an ensemble. And um, Mm -hmm. some of our actors had read, because this play was originally created in Alter Theater's Playwright Residency Program, Alter Lab. And so um, actors, we've been bringing in actors for years to read scenes or to read a draft of the play. Um, Like Kevis Hillock who played uh, Br'er Possum, had been in one of the table readings. Uh, Crystal Lucas Perry uh, was in that same table reading, actually. Um, she was friends of one of our company members uh, who had gone to, they'd gone to grad school together. Um, and so, you know, it was a combination of we did uh, an invitation and an open call to both um, the Parsnipship's company of actors and Alter Theater's company of actors, um, and, uh, and then all of us listened and, uh, you know, made comments. We had this, uh, because we were working, we didn't have like live auditions. We were working asynchronously. So everybody's audition tape, uh, was in a link in an Excel spreadsheet. And then we each had a column where we got to make comments on, oh, we love this person. Um, and then we, we kind of took it, we kind of went from there, I think. I don't remember there being any real um, uh, real strong differences of opinion. I think we were all really excited about the people that we that we got, um, and you know, it, it, it was such a talented group of people. It was just I just feel so blessed with this cast. And I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot, Des and Yvonne. Um, but I, I think that one of the things that, that was so special about this project is that it was truly a collaboration um, between the two companies and also among the, the full creative team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, Des and Yvonne, I want you to talk about you know, some of the um, parts of the play that you just love, I'm sure you love the whole thing, um, but it's divided into segments <laughs> uh, so that the audience can, um, you know, listen to one part and then come back and listen to another part. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about um, uh, the structure of that as well as just some of the parts that, you know, you just really love. Um, and you could also talk about some aspects that were challenging. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's the play is structured so beautifully as, as a trilogy of a kind, right? This hero's journey of like the genesis of Motaro, um, the introduction of the problem. It's it's really, um, I guess we might have I don't know, consciously or unconsciously shaped this like hero's journey structure uh, as a coming of age story with this. So I, I personally love the fact that. Um, we have a cast of four, and each actor gets to play multiple characters, right? Like Ressa, who plays Omotaro, also plays on Alexa. And so there's something very delightful um, about watching actors get to flex their muscles to play multiple aspects of themselves or to experiment with character voices. And, you know, Michael Gene Sullivan is just such a master at vocal work. Uh, you know, he... <laughs> to go from catfish to cicada and to not even, I mean, like when I heard his audition, I remember thinking, how is this the same person? I cannot believe this is the same actor playing these various roles. And so for me, um, in this new medium, like I, it was just fun watching 
like we had a setup where we were on Zencaster um, for the recording, but we also had a Zoom feed up where I could see the actors uh, on video. Um, and it was actually really fun watching folks uh, voice act <laughs> like they're in the studio. So that was one of my, I mean, it, it's not really about the play, but it was one of the most, one of my most um, favorite parts of the process was watching an actor work vocally um, while I felt like those who were in the process got a sense of like the, that visual information of, of how one looks acting on a microphone. Um, but uh, uh, I would also say, um, I guess story-wise, gosh, 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 what do I love about the story? Um, I would say my favorite part is, I think my favorite part is when um, Momo meets all of his animal friends, the, the introduction of that. There's something about um, how relationships are formed, right, that the unlikelihood of this kind of ragtag group of, of heroes coming together um, to defeat the raccoons, for me, is very endearing. It speaks to a very, like, childlike, I don't know, maybe perhaps naive, but it's a very idealistic way of looking at relationships, right, that you can, like, set um, hello? Can folks hear yeah, me? we're here. Yeah, we're uh, okay, here. great, great. I feel like sometimes my, my, my phone gets weird. Um, but, uh, but the idea that you can have these different characters, you know, uh, who are so um, varied in their experiences and backgrounds and come together on a shared, in a shared goal and a shared journey, for me, feels very, it's like very Wizard of oz kind of. <laughs> and I guess it might be kind of, you know, the basis for a lot of these heroes' journeys is the forming of unique relationships. But that, for me, is, is like, my favorite part of the of the story, yeah. I I have to agree a little bit with that, because um, I, I, I'm just going to say episode two cracks me up no matter how many times I listen to it. It is hands down my favorite um, and it's just, it, and it's exactly that. It's the episode where Momo is meeting all of his, uh, all of his animal friends. And, and I'm sorry, but the, the Br'er Possum, the, the, the cussing, foul-mouthed possum with the heart of gold, <laughs> it, it just strikes me up. Yeah. Yeah. I think my favorite really, really is, wants- I think, mm-hmm. I think my favorite is literally when, uh, when Vonda gets pregnant and that whole scene, just because it's so ridiculous and wild and um, just so, you know, mystical and, and divine at the same time. And I think Crystal just does such a beautiful, um, amazing job at just capturing just how hectic that moment is for everyone. And the birth of Momo. Mm. Right, this like comedic <laughs> immaculate conception, right? It was just like well, it wasn't really immaculate, but it was just kind of like it, it was accelerated pregnancy and like instant miracle birth. Like it was when it was born, this like fully developed child coming out of her, pretty funny. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Um, who would you say? Because um, I I know this is a disclaimer. Um, who would you say is the audience for for the uh, the play, Brer Peach? Oh, I don't know, Jeanette. Do you want to take that? I guess that's a producer question. 
Well, I mean, my my answer is always everybody. The way that Alter Theater works is that we first tell stories by, for, and with the communities um, that the, the story comes from. Um, and so I think that we've really done that with this very deliberate um, rolling world premiere. It premiered with a black theater, Bishop Arts Theater Center. Um, and it has gone, and it, the, this touring um, structure is meant to be a way to bring black, indigenous, and other theaters of color together to support um, uh, BIPOC writers. Um, and so now, you know, it's, it's a story that's been celebrated and enjoyed in community, and now it's um, and, it, and it draws very specifically from um, a couple of different storytelling traditions, specifically Southern um, African-American storytelling traditions and also a Japanese folktale. And Andrew spoke a little bit um, when he was on about his family influences that led to this um, uh, combination of um, this fusion uh, of cultures. And so now it's just like everybody who loves a good hero's journey, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I, bought, I think that you would have a more eloquent answer to that, actually. Um, no, I think you hit it on, uh, on, the, on the head. I, I see this audience definitely of a certain age, um, preteen and up, um, and I really think it's for folks who just want to sit and gather and listen to a story and or, you know, cook dinner and listen to a story. There's people who don't want to watch a screen, you know, or want to go out um, to to theater. I think this is the story for them. Um, uh, and I think this is the, the mode of storytelling for them. So, yeah, I'd encourage anyone who you know, wants to, you know, casually just listen to a story. Sometimes I play these um, radio plays and it just feels like uh, not necessarily background noise, but it, it feels like a different kind of radio. I don't always listen to radio, but it's nice to, to feel like I'm following along on something um, that will end at some point, but it's it's with me now. I always yeah. love your advice, Ivan, too, of like doing a chore, like folding laundry you know, so that there's something that you're doing with your hands, but it doesn't actually take your attention. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love, like, doing dishes while listening. I love taking a walk while listening to an audio um, play, which I, I think is actually my favorite thing. It's it's so awesome to just step outside. It's with New York. It's, you know, typical fall, New York. Um, uh, and it's just so nice to walk by buildings and just still – be active and engaged in theater, even though I'm not physically in the space. Yeah. We know they say that, like, learning, or not only learning, and, like, the processing of information is parasympathetic. So, like, when actors get off book, you're encouraged to walk around as you're learning lines because that's how we actually process information most powerfully is through our bodies. So you ha- it's actually really – you actually get the story more vividly or you absorb it better if you're – physically active, but not preoccupied in a distracting way. So I don't know, that makes a lot of sense to me, Ivan. Hmm. Um, I hate to break in, but I actually have to run off to another meeting. It's been, thank you so much for including me. It's always such a joy to be in a room with all of you. And Wanda, thank you so much for having me on. And everybody should come see, not come see, but everybody should see, <laughs> gosh. <laughs> 
language is failing me. Um, listen, give give Rare Peach a listen. Altertheater.org slash peach. Thanks, everybody. Oh, so Jeanette, darn, I wanted you to say something about business like Lunch Productions. Um, um, I can speak I'll about them. <laughs> okay, okay, great, good. Okay, well, thanks so much, Jeanette. Until next time. This is awesome. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye, Jeanette. <laughs> Yeah, so tell us about um, the business lunch um, productions, uh, that collaboration. Yeah, so business lunch productions is the um, other producing um, entity of the parsnip ship, and um, it's run by two uh, parsnip ship staff members, Katie Donnelly and Jesse Manning, and um, they are an awesome production company that does film commercials. They run the gamut between uh, non-profit, uh, profit commercial projects. Um, and so it's really just such a blessing to have them on the Parsnips um, team staff because it really allows me and my um, artistic associate, Al, to really focus on the artistic um, needs um, as it relates to the dramaturgy, the development of scripts, the working with um, the playwright, director, actors, um, whoever is needed, and they help um, in uh, as producers um, to make sure that all of those logistics are set so that we can move forward and really focus on what we need to focus on, and they ensure that the technology and the software and the systems um, that we need to record our podcasts are met and that they are of um, a high standard and quality. And so... Um, they are, they've very much been a big part of um, Parsnip's development over um, the last couple of years, and specifically with Brer Peach, they were really instrumental because this was the first time we were doing a project where folks were in different places around the country. We usually do our episodes live um, in Brooklyn, or at least we do them in person in, like, a recording studio, but this was a unique challenge um and we're so grateful that they you know they were able to meet it and exceed um the expectations that we had to making sure that our our days of recording um and editing and like you know going back and forth on edits that that was facilitated in um a very structured way that that was helpful for you know me um, and Andrew and Des and, of course, the great folks at Alter Theater. Mm-hmm. Do you think you'll do this again since um, this is working, this has, working, has worked so well and is working so well as opposed uh, to being in you person? Mean, you mean uh, uh, socially distance recording? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's always a possibility. I think, you know, technology is getting better, um, which is great, which was really exciting to see, um, you know, like Zoom and all these other platforms um, either get better or new platforms be created to support the work and needs of this time. So I do Mm -hmm. think we'll do it again. I don't think we know when, but, yeah, we'll do it again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was um I was thinking about, you know, um, you know, this uh rare rabbit um, you know, peach you know, Japanese peach story and sort of the uh, the fusion 
of of these two um, cultures in in this work, um, Brapich. And I was just wondering um, if, from your own, um, each of you, your own, um, you know, cultural um, uh, legacies, um, do you see um, just your attraction to the project um, and and the immersion in it, sort of tapping into some of those those you know, kind of DNA, genetic kind of memories, you know, that that might have been stirred by this kind of, of work that Andrew has, has written. Yeah, for me, there's a kind of adjacent relationship to the Momotaro story. So I'm actually not of Japanese descent. Um, I'm of Chinese oh, yeah, descent, but um, yeah. a lot of, a lot of, uh, oh, yeah, no, no, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to imply you didn't know that. I was, I was just kind of prefacing this. By saying that, okay. but but a lot of what um, the, uh, folklore from Japan has made its way into like um, Chinese cultural like history, and so I actually mm. grew up knowing the Momotaro story, even though it wasn't my story. Like I, you know, there were cartoons I grew up watching, and I was born in Taiwan, and so there are cartoons in Taiwan that were essentially like copies, <laughs> like bootleg copies, mm. I'm not sure, of the Momotaro um, cartoon. And so, and my mother knew Momotaro's story growing up. And so it was something that, um, weirdly enough, I had never thought would be a story that I would tell. Um, so in, in, in some ways, there is a kind of like loose, sideways cultural memory, but not really. So it's, it, for me, it's, it's strange, but also familiar for me to be telling this because it's not mine, but at the same time, I grew up with it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And in some ways, I think what's actually really, um, weirdly enough, most potent for me as an adult right now is telling this um, story in the context of capitalism and like Amazon and gentrification. Like that for me feels the most culturally potent thing. And that feels like um, something I resonate with right now as like, you know, a 21st century American um, trying to figure out real estate. <laughs> Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, and I um, when I first read the script the um, I I had it like coincidentally had read the Momotaro um, Mm. story because I had a roommate who was of Japanese descent and he had a a storybook of Japanese folklores and so I had read it and then I had gotten the script and I was like oh wait I know this story Um, but I also what also called out to me was the story of um, uh, Br'er Rabbit, you know, and those stories that are really um, uh, very much African-American folklore that I grew up um, reading. And so I thought there was something really beautiful and synergetic about the, the peach being this this, uh, this common denominator, you know, of, you know, the, the, the peach, Georgia peach, um, and mm-hmm. the story of a peach boy. Um, and Andrew comes from such a multicultural family, um, in which he wanted to honor all of these, like, identities which he feels very much influence who he is today. And so there was definitely um, a level of, like, care and respect we wanted to um, approach when it came to melding both of these um, cultures, cross-cultural um, stories together um, for this one now, like, you know, hero's journey. Um and so I'm not of Japanese descent. I'm, you know, Nigerian, but growing up listening to to the Br'er Rabbit stories, um, it just felt like such a joy to to return to that moment of 
of, of childhood where you were reading fables um, to learn lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, these, these are new lessons for today about, you know, capitalism and greed and um, gentrification, which I think all of us living in major cities are definitely feeling um, the, the effects of it. Um, and I think the story really shows how, um, you know, coming together we can, you know, really defeat the things that will – prevents us from being our own heroes and our own stories. And I think that's what's really mm. beautiful about this. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. also like what is the real what like who are the what is the real villain right now? Like right because the original Watara it was the Oni, which are these huge ogres. Like what is the ogre that we're facing with today? And it's not this monster, it is like the creepy thing in my house that's tracking my moves and buying my things on the internet. <laughs> like where what <laughs> where is the real danger today? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alexa, out of control. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about, um, uh, you know, um, the Br'er Rabbit tales and, and, and Br'er Peach. Um, and I was thinking about Anansi, um, the spider, and the trickster mm-hmm. tales, and a shoe. And, and that sort of, those particular kind of um, archetypes and, um, and characters sort of, um, they show up. Uh, in all of our cultures, and um, just just thinking about that as both of you all were sharing. Um, uh, Ivan, did you grow up in the South? Nope, I am a Brooklyn girl. Oh, for real, for real, yeah. <laughs> the country of Brooklyn, yeah, nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, so the, the Southern folklore, like really just the, the Brer Rabbit stories I just grew up reading, um, and so that, yeah, so when I first read the script, I was like, oh, okay, I, I understand, he, like, the framework <laughs> we're, we're looking at here. Right, right, yeah, yeah. And I just want to mention in closing that um, you are, you have so much, I mean, my goodness, uh, sort of, you know, academically, um, uh, Yvonne, you have just done a lot. <laughs> you know, the recipient of the Fulbright International Scholarship and Gilman International Scholarship, both to Italy. So do you speak Italian? I do. Not always the best, ah. but I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the D.O. School's Future of Audio Entertainment Fellowship in Berlin. Um, so I guess you speak German, too. Um, uh, and, I don't uh, speak German. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and, you know, you've got the uh, 2019 Mark O'Donnell Prize, and, and you're a member currently of the WP 2020-2022 Producers Lab uh, and an affiliate mm-hmm. dramaturg with Beehive Dramaturgy Studio. I've heard of Beehive. And you got mm-hmm. your BA undergraduate degree at Brandeis University and your MA uh, at, is it Baruch uh, College? Baruch, yep. Uh, yeah, Cooney Arts Administration. So both of you all. And then, you know, uh, Desdemona, you're adjunct faculty presently at Cornish College of the Arts. Where is that? Uh, that's actually in Seattle. Oh, okay, okay. So where you live. Yeah. Ah, nice, that's nice. A, yeah. yeah, so I'm actually, well, I, I, I joke that I pay my taxes out of Washington State, but um, I, I'm actually, <laughs> I'm wherever the work is. <laughs> so right. I'm a citizen of the world. <laughs> Nice, nice, yeah. So do either of you have any closing thoughts about anything, uh, about the work? No, Uh, thank you for having us. And I really hope everyone, you know, buys a ticket to listen to Br'er Peach um, and, you know, 
bring bring friends, share it with folks, and definitely do something while you are listening. Don't feel the need to sit in your couch <laughs> as you experience <laughs> this. This is not traditional theater, and we don't want it to be, you know? Um, I think embodying it is, is so key, like um, Des has mentioned. So um, Phil... Don't don't hesitate to do other things as you listen to the story. I promise you, it's it's literally the best way to listen to audio theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and then take advantage. You know, to anyone out there who is a parent with a young person or a, a human with a young person in your household, this is actually a great story to listen with a young person in your life because it is you know it's framed like a um a story for young audiences but also has some really really powerful ideas that are worth talking about afterwards so i would highly encourage any intergenerational experiences um that you that 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 you may have with this yeah have with parents mm-hmm. grandparents kids right yeah and i'm sure you all are aware of um san francisco um playhouse and um and san francisco mime troupe um uh, collaboration on the production of um, uh, Michael Jean Sullivan's um, uh, The Great Con. And, oh, the Great Con, and, yes. And they, yeah, yeah, and I just think, wow, this is pretty cool. And again, you know, this time, you know, the principals are looking at what it means to be a teenager and grow up in this, this particular culture we have presently and uh, mm-hmm. and, and look at the very misunderstood Genghis Khan. I mean, who would have mm-hmm. known? <laughs> so, you know, the high idea of bringing together, you know, uh, the stories of people of African descent and the stories of, you know, uh, Asian cultures um, is, uh, it seems to be a thing um, here in the Bay right at the moment, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. So yeah. exciting. So great to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, well Congratulations on this wonderful production, which is going to be continuing for a minute. Um, so people have an opportunity to listen and listen again through December 12th. That's a long time. Yeah, and um, it might become your favorite story. <laughs> and thank you both so much for the conversation, and hope we'll have others in the future. Yes, thank all you right. so thank much. Thank you, Wanda. You're quite thank welcome. You. you take good care. Thank you all. <laughs> Bye. Mm-hmm. Bye. <laughs> so the website for Alta Theater is A L T E R T H E A T E R, and uh, yeah, definitely want to check out the play. It's really, really, really fun, and um, yeah, and you know, uh, don't forget Destiny Muhammad Trio next week, November. Third, fourth, and fifth, twelve to one, um, and a variety of of uh, digital platforms: YouTube and Facebook. And you can go to um, her Facebook or to her website, uh, or you can just sign up for her um, digital newsletter, and you won't miss anything. And uh, and for Mama C, uh, also known, uh, let's see, Mama C. Um, uh, also known as Ia Oshutunde uh, Fasuyi, she is um, continuing her Heal the Community tour, um, and she gave us destinations right now. She's uh, in Oakland, and then she's headed to San Diego, she said, um, and then she's going to be going to uh, Alabama, 
But, um, yeah, yeah, she's accessible, and definitely I highly recommend, you know, getting her latest collection, Homage. And that film is really, really awesome, the one that we talked about um, that looks at um, the instance of, um, let me not, of uh, obstetric fistula, yeah, which is um, so wonderful that, um that it's a, a surgical procedure that has been refined uh, to the point that it has been and that women don't have to suffer, and that is free. Um, in, uh, in Tanzania, um, for those women who can get to that type of um, health support, uh, health care support, and Dar es Salaam. So, again, that film is uh, Nia TT Medicine. So thanks so much for joining us for another edition of Wanda's Picks. You take good care and join us next Wednesday for the live show. And then if you missed it, you can catch it again on Friday (laughs) or something from the archives. Peace and blessings.